This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. Right, and we continue with fasted prayer, the fasted prayer life of the believer. And again, for my time, is, is God grieved with us? That's the question we're hoping to answer and understand during this teaching. So again, Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16, it reads, This I say, then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, lust, for the flesh lusted against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. So that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. And then verse 19 gets in what the works of the flesh are. And so on last time we, we began to teach, we talked about walking in the Spirit. That you will not fulfill the lust of your flesh. And during this time of prayer and fasting, again, you need to stay encouraged. Stay encouraged. Finish strong. And then after the fasting starts, fasting stops... Continue to be in prayer. Right? Continue to be in prayer. That's the fasted lifestyle, right? You continue to be in prayer. Again, I know there's things that we're going to, people say they're going to make these changes and these things when they died and, and, and their eating habits, but there's an overall lifestyle change you need to make as well. Stay in prayer. Stay there. And, and so, during this fast, and I said this last time, I'll repeat it again. I know for me, I've seen several areas of improvements. Uh, in my life, or again, not only just eating habits, you know, there's this, like I said, there's, there's things that, that I have, the Lord has dealt me about, about time management. And, you know, we've been being taught about time management for a while now. But God has dealt with me about my time. Right? And what I mean by God has dealt with me about my time, that I've been wasted time. I've wasted so much time. i wasted time thinking about things that I shouldn't be thinking about. Focused on the things I shouldn't be focused on. That's wasted time. You know, the efforts you put about thinking on things and meditating on things instead of the things of God, you're wasting it. Yeah. You have to understand that. that. That's part of your time. Right? Because I'm going to tell you, the things that you're thinking about, it, it causes distractions. And God's trying to speak to you, but your mind is somewhere else. Yeah. And God has dealt with me about that. And, you know, it dealt me in the sense that, hey, it's not, not like you're doing sinful things, but it's carnal things. Yeah. Right? And these carnal things are where my mind is at, where my focus is. And God's like, oh, we can, let's just get to your mind. Let's get to a place where we get some of that carnality out. So, I, so that's why I told you on purpose, I put away all the distractions for me on this 31 days. I mean, no ESPN, no sports, none. I can care less, right? Don't even know. Don't even care. I put it all away. Even from the news. You know, I watch the news and understand what the weather is. But after that, I, I'm, just, I'm putting things away. Because I want to make sure I'm not being distracted to hear from God. Because the Lord said, you've wasted time. And we understand, you cannot get that time back. And so that's why it's so important, this fasting and time, that, you know, even regarding sleep time and leisure time, God's like, you know, that you can do without less sleep. I've learned that during this fast, too. You can do without less leisure. I learned that as well. And again, what I mean by do without, I'm going to replace my leisure time, that time I was only, with the time with God. You know, I'm going to change that time, not for more carnal things, but I must change the time of being more time with God. And again, that's just something that I've heard from God pertaining to me during this time. Because, you know, I'm going to tell you, there's areas that you think, oh, I'm, I'm think I, dog, I thought I was doing pretty good with my time, man. God's like, there's a lot more that required of you. There's a lot more you can be given. A lot more. I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. And I appreciate that. Because it took this fast to show me those areas. And then in this fast, and in this prayer fast, God's giving you the strength to address your flesh. This is the time. In these last five days you have, God has given you strength to address your flesh. You know, again, those hidden things that only you and God know about. He's giving you strength to address it. And I'm going to tell you, all of us have those things. That only between you and God that you know about, that now you put aside, that you, you like, God like just address that. The, the strength is there now to address it. What do I mean by address it? Let's kill it once and for all and not return to it again. We're gonna, these things, we're going we're gonna to put it to death. It's not going to be an issue for you anymore. 
You're going to learn that. You're going to have the strength for that during this prayer and fasting time. And again, like I said, we're coming to the end and finishing strong, but God's been saying these things throughout the whole time. He's revealing Himself to us. So again, back in this key passage of Scripture, talking about walking in the Spirit, again, we have to understand what the flesh is. The flesh refers to the Adamic nature. You know, the nature from Adam that was passed down to us. That means our sinful nature. That's our flesh. And that is at against odds against the Spirit. And so the objective for this teaching was really for us to examine our walk to see if God is grieved with us. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you are walking in the flesh, God is grieved with you. He is not pleased with your walk in the flesh. He grieved with that. So God is revealing to us in this time, continually, what we're not willing to sacrifice for the kingdom's sake. You know, there's, there's a certain place, a certain area that we're just not willing to go when it comes to the kingdom. We're not willing to sacrifice it. You know, for instance, like we said before, the church is open 24 by 7. Are you willing to sacrifice time from your job to come up to the church to pray? See, that's sacrifice. You know, taking off. Letting folks know that, hey, I'm, I'm not going to be in today or not going to be in for these hours. You know, because you sacrifice it. They come to the church and pray. Not go run no errands. Not do your own personal business. I'm talking about come here and pray. That's so important. See, that's what I'm saying. God is revealing this to you because it's a sacrifice. You know, we can say a lot of things, but until you show forth the action of those, of those things that you say you can do, can you really do it? Have you really sacrificed? Can you bring it? This thing is God showing us during this time. It's sacrifice. And so when, in this passage of Scripture, it says walk in the Spirit. We looked at this word walk. Walk denotes being occupied. So you've got to ask yourself, what are you being occupied with? Are you being occupied in this flesh, your desires? Are you being occupied in the Spirit? And when being occupied in the Spirit, that means to be consumed with the fruit of the Spirit in your walk. That means the fruit of the Spirit we know is love. That means in my walk, I must be consumed with the Spirit of God, which is love. That means... Because understand when, it's, when I talk about a walk. A walk denotes a journey you're heading towards. That means you're heading in a certain, uh, 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 certain place and you're heading towards a certain destination. And in other words, there is a purpose for your walk. You're not just walking idly. You're heading somewhere. And the Spirit of God will lead you and direct you. Again, we saw it in verse 18. But if you be led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. That means I need to be led by the Spirit in my walk. Not led by my flesh in my walk. The only place my flesh is leading me to my walk is towards carnal things. Things that's going to appeal to my flesh. Self-centered, self-seeking, self-indulgences. That's all my flesh is going to lead me to. But walking in the Spirit, God is leading to a whole different place. But it's a journey. You have to walk. Right? So again, walk. my walk is a journey that's heading to a specific destination. And when I'm walking, it denotes also me... Not being in a hurry. You know, sometimes you got to just slow down. Sometimes I think we're too big of a hurry. You know, what I mean by too big of a hurry, you, you need to have a steady pace, being consistent, being able to endure. Because if you don't, you burn yourself out. You wonder how come people start something real fast and then all of a sudden they just flame on out. But you got to be steady. Not be in a hurry. See, when the Spirit leads you in a place, you know, God, God will guide your steps. You know, the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. He will order your steps. He will set your pace. And again, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be working, uh, going in a certain, walking in a certain pace, because some of us are too slowful and lazy. We need to speed it up. We need to have a sense of urgency. But some of us are, we're too big of a hurry. Slow down. Hear from God. Again, these 31 days, I, I'm telling you, I, you, I know I heard from God. And continue hearing from God these 31 days. And this was a time when we had supposed to set aside our time to hear specifically for God pertaining to us in this ministry and where God wants to take us. So slow down. Sacrifice. Right? And if you haven't done it, guess you've got five days left to put forth that effort. So what is this destination? The destination we've been saying for the longest time is to enter into His rest. Turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Again, we read this last time. We'll read it again. Hebrews chapter 4. That's our destination. That I walk in the Spirit is leading to His rest. Hebrews 4, starting in verse 10. It says, For 
For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest that any man fall after the same example of unbelief. So we see here that our labor, our walk, our destination is to enter into the rest of the Lord. And where is the rest of the Lord? Where we are ceasing from our own works. Our own works are part of our flesh, that sinful nature. You have to cease from that. And again, if you hadn't noticed these things in time of prayer and fast where you have considered only yourself, areas that you need to lay it down, you, you need to stop doing your own works. You need to take your hands off certain things. You know, God, God has been speaking to us about you know, what the, the effort and time that you're spending on certain things. You need to take your time off of that. You're spending too much time on dead works. Let me say it to you like that. It's dead works. It's works that you cannot change. It's works you need to put in the hands of the Lord, but you're wasting effort in those dead works. It's dead. It's wasting your time. But again, we have to cease from our own works. We have to enter into the rest of the Lord. Now, what is rest? Rest for Israel was a land of promise. That was flowing with milk and honey. But rest for the believer is found in Christ. That's, where we, that, that's our destination. We've got to be found in Christ. So we're laboring to enter into that rest. And we're not only entering into that rest, we're laboring to stay there. You've got to stay with Christ. You've got to stay believing and trusting in Him. That's the part about mixing faith in what was preached to us. I've got to stay believing. I cannot change my belief I have in Christ. It's in Christ is where I have my identity. It's in Him that I move. It's in Him that I live. It's in Him that I have my very being. So I have to stay there. So our rest, our rest again, is in Christ. It's not a physical place, but it's where I have ceased my own works. I have picked up my cross, denied myself, and I'm following Him. That's what it means about being in Christ. Again, I have denied myself. I picked up the cross. There's a, there's a labor that I must bear. That means there's a work that you must do. And I'm going to follow him. Now, we're still in Hebrews. Turn to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews 3. Look at this in verse number 7. It says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation, in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation. And said, they do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear, in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. And looking at this past scripture, God is very clear about this generation. He said he was grieved with that generation. And we talk about what grieve means, right? When it talks about grieve, that means God was unable to move forward with them. God was unable to move forward with them. Why? Because they wouldn't allow him to. He was grieved with them. They would not allow him to move forward because of their unbelief. Because they didn't mix what they was preached with them with faith. They were not content. So God said, I was grieved with that generation. He said, that generation saw my works for 40 years. And here's when I'm telling you, when, when, here's what God spoke to me when it pertains to this passage of Scripture, right? Because it's so easy to look at the children of Israel, but God's like, what about you? What about us? Is God grieved with us? Have we seen God's work in our lives for 40 years? But he's grieved with us. Can God continue to go forward with you? Or are you not allowing him to take you any further? Have you stopped your progression because of your unbelief? Have you done that? Now, how, how have I stopped my progression? How have I told the Lord that, hey, he can't move any forward with me? Look what happened with Israel. Turn to, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Because the same thing they did with Israel, you see, we act. We do the same. We have the same attitudes. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It's like, oh no, God can move with me. God's taking me further. Really? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse number 1. It says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant 
how that all our fathers were under the, under the cloud and passed through the sea. And were all baptized into Moses into the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual drink and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Get this. God said he and many of them, he was not well pleased. Many of them, God was grieved with many of them. He could not go no further with them. But these are the same ones that saw God's works for 40 years. But he said many of them, he was not well pleased. And we, we understand what the Bible says about how in the way we can please God is by faith. Without faith, you cannot please God. It's by faith, trust in him that I'm able to please God. So that means they didn't, again, the Bible says that very clearly, right? They did not mix faith with what was preached to them. So where are we? Are we mixing faith with what was preached to us, has been preached to us? Over the years. Verse 6. Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. So now here's a comparison, right? You know, we can talk about Israel, but they're there for our example. To show us if we are lusting after evil things. And we talked about what evil things were, Right? Anything outside of God's purpose that you are lusting after is evil. Again, anything outside of God's purpose that you are lusting after is evil. The thing is not evil. is you lusting after it is making it evil. It's on you. you putting that thing before God. You are lusting after. You are going after. That is your desires. That's your intentions. Again, that's how come you're walking in the flesh and not in the spirit. It's on you. It's evil. God's not pleased with that. Neither, verse 7, neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. See, as I'm reading this, don't think about Israel, think about you. Are you still committing fornication? Right? You understand that. We, we talked about that last time about fornication. Right? Don't play with it. Don't, don't get legal with fornication. Fornication is more than penetration. Fornication starts in your heart. Again, if you're lusting after a, a female and you're a male and that is not your wife, you already undressed her, you, are, you committed fornication with her in your heart. Don't play with this. See, this is the time. That's what I'm saying. God is dealing with us during this prayer and fasting about things that are hidden. Is it between you and God? God said, you still have not dealt with fornication. You're lusting after things. You, you still got your certain photos that you look at. You know, your, your, your certain pornography things that you're looking at. Things that you know you should put away. Things that are just exciting your flesh. For what purpose? Put images in your mind that you are lusting after. Did you consider fornication? This is... This is the time that God has given you the strength to put that away. Yeah. See, don't let, you know, cable TV or, or, or whatever streaming service Netflix be to your demise. Exactly right. Understand, you're paying for that. You can turn Netflix, you can turn Netflix off. Yeah, you can. Trust me, if you don't pay for that subscription, they'll turn it off for you. Stop paying. <laughs> See, I, I wonder if somebody heard that during this time, you know, during this time of fast, that you shut down your Netflix account. See, that's what I mean. That's the thing that God is dealing with you about. Those hidden things, only be, those shows that, only, that you know that, that have got you, that excites your flesh. That you know that this is not good. There's carnal things. But it's leading you to a path of fornication, to idolatry, that it continues to arouse your flesh. Shut it down. God wants to speak to you clearly. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of the serpents. And we talked about what it means to tempt Christ, right? To justify your bondage with a spiritual rationale. In other words, you know things that you things that you're you're 
you're doing in your mind and that you want to do, but you put a scripture around it or you put some kind of spiritual rationale around it. And I gave the example before about how people take certain jobs and opportunities and they say, well, well God give me this opportunity to make more money so I can be more of a giver into the kingdom. That, that's not what it's about for you. You're not taking a promotion in your job so you can be a giver in the kingdom. It's about you getting the prestige and, and that you feel like you deserve to get more things that you want. Right? Because that same promotion that get, gotten at your job is going to cause you to miss more church. So how is that, how is that considered uh, from God? How is that God doing that? God's going to pull you from, from aware where you can hear his word so that you can make more money. But that was God. See, that's tempting Christ. Stop using your spiritual rational. Stop being religious by stuff that you know you want to do, that you're going to do anyway. You're tempting Christ. You know, just because you got a business going and you put a scripture around it, that don't, that don't make it spiritual. Well, I'm starting this business and God gave me this, this scripture to put up for that business. Really? God, God gave you a scripture for your business. It's a Christian business. How is your, bus- how is your business Christian? You only selling to the Christians? Oh, you're making money from everybody. How is your business Christian? But you threw a, a scripture around it. See, you're tempting Christ. Because that same business that you call Christian, you can't even come into the church house where God has sent you to to be, be a, a blessing in that community. You, you have no time for that. And then are you a tither? Are you giving? The, the, the money that you're saying you're getting from that business, are you making sure that you're tithing and giving? To your local community. Are you committed to your local community? Your local community, I mean your church. See, we say, I'm saying, we say a lot of things out of our mouth, but God's like, you're tempting Christ. Stop it. See, that was Israel. Now it pertains to us. So neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of the serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured. And we're destroyed of this destroyer. Now, this thing gets me about murmuring, right? Murmuring, we said before, is to grumble. You know, saying things. It says, the grumble means to whisper discontentment. You know, we said, you say things underneath your breath. You're grumbling. You're murmuring. And usually your murmuring and your complaining is about leadership. And you're mumbling about it. Grumbling. See, God heard them. God's like, they saw my works for 40 years, and you have the nerve to murmur about it. God has sustained you and kept you in the years that you've been in this ministry, and you have the nerve to murmur about it, about this ministry. Grumble about it. Complain. See, you're unthankful. You're ungrateful. For God to continue to keep you. Here's the thing that gets me about all these things we learned about Israel. God said, they saw my works for 40 years, but he said, I was grieved with them. But you know something? God still sustained them. God still kept them. You know, what works did they see for that time? You know, it says their shoes never wore out. The Bible says their clothes never wore out. 40 years, how your clothes, how your clothes and your shoes never wore out. They said a pillar of cloud led them by the day. Pillar of fire led them by night. They saw, that's what he said, they saw my works. And we see God's works as well. Some of y'all dress really nice. Some of y'all live in very nice, you know, locations, neighborhoods. God has kept you. But you murmur and complain. But God is still faithful. He's trying to show you something. He's trying to show you you. But he's letting you know that I'm grieved with that. These attitudes, God was grieved with. See, because this is the point I want you to get about God sustaining you in this time. Don't think because you got things going on in your mind that that's God is pleased with you. Remember, we read this. God said he was, he was not well pleased with many of them, but he still sustained them. Don't miss that, right? We'll read this again in verse, <clears throat> verse 5. It says, but with, with many of them... God was not well pleased, but God still kept them for 40 years. God is keeping you in this time you are now, but God is still saying he is not well pleased. Don't let because of the location you are and where you are in life thinking, oh, God must be pleased with me. Look what I have. Look what I obtained. 
God's not pleased with that. He's not pleased with your murmuring, your complaining, with your fornication, your idolatry. He is not pleased with that. Stop looking at what you have achieved thinking God is with you because you have these things. Natural stuff. Natural stuff does not validate whether God is pleased with you or not. That's just the grace of God on your life. Give Him some glory. Give Him some honor for that. But He's not well pleased with you. So is God grieved with us? So last time we got on this thing with Peter as an example. Turn with Matthew chapter 14. It's amazing. Matthew chapter 14. I'm still reviewing, but you know, God is faithful. We just flow where he wants us to go. Matthew chapter 14. Because we said that our faith is secured in Jesus. We said he, our faith is secure in Him. In Jesus. He's the one that's able to sustain us and keep us. And we looked at this example in Peter in, uh, walking on water in Matthew chapter 14, starting at verse number... Let's start at verse number 22. It says, And straightway Jesus constrained His disciples to get into a ship and to go before Him unto the other side, And he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. So he had sent the disciples away. He sent the multitudes away. And Jesus pulled himself away to pray. Verse 24. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the sea. And we talked about this fourth watch. Because I'm going to tell you, in all the times I read this passage of Scripture, I never saw the fourth watch. But Lord said, look that up. The fourth watch represents the last watch of the night. Right before it becomes dawn. And it's amazing. He said, and Jesus appeared to him in the fourth watch. Right before dawn. And in this time of prayer and fasting, the Lord said, there's a time when we need to be watchful. Get this. A time when you need to be watchful. And the word watch just means be alert. But my alert is I'm watching, expecting to receive from God. In other words, I'm not just being I'm idle time, just sitting here, just wasting time thinking, okay, well, whatever happens, whatever happens. No, my watch is I'm being alert, expecting to hear from God. Now, let's, let's just follow that train. Let's turn to, we're still in Matthew. Turn to Matthew 26. Matthew 26. And so that last watch is talking about that fourth watch. That's, it, it talks about in, in, in their time and their custom. That was between 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. That was the fourth watch. Right before dawn came up. Matthew 26. Again, about how we need to be watchful. Matthew 26, starting at verse number 36. Matthew 26 and 36. It says, Then come of Jesus with them into a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. It sounds familiar. He told the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. Then, verse 37, Then he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. He didn't say pray with me. He said watch with me. This is the time Jesus said, I need for you to be here with me, to be an alert, expecting to hear from God. 
While we are here in this time of prayer and fasting, the brothers come here to watch while others are in here and praying, but we're here expecting to hear from God. We're on watch. Obviously, we're making sure no one else comes in before you won't be disturbed, but we're on watch expecting to hear from God. Why? Because God shows up. I have an expectation that God will show up. That's why I'm on watch. Verse 39, And when he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, it is possible. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thy wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and finding them asleep and said unto Peter, What could ye not watch with me one hour? He again talked to him about the watch. Could you not stay alert? Could you not expect from God just from one hour? And again, we didn't go back to the past earlier. This was during the same time. Right before dawn. The same fourth watch. The same hours. See, it's, it's, I'm going to tell you, it's something about, and, and I've seen this, I've always wondered, there's something about being in prayer and watching during those early morning hours. See, don't get this, well, God can show up any time. Of course God can show up any time. But are you ready to receive him at any time? See, the prayer and watch is about you and, and putting down your flesh. Let me keep reading. You'll see it in a second. Hopefully you'll see it. And he coming to the disciples, again, verse 40, and finding them asleep and said unto Peter, What could ye not watch with me one hour? Verse 41, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see what he's saying? Watch and pray. Again, that's why I want you. To, there's a difference between watching and praying. He said, "For that you enter, watch and pray that you enter not in temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's during that fourth watch of the time where your flesh is the most weakest. And because again, you know why?" It's that time you want to go to bed, you want to sleep. The flesh is like, I'm tired. Your flesh is weak. But that's the time that your spirit man is willing. It's alive and ready to hear from God. Again, I'm telling you, we've, I, we've been up here sometimes during that time. Between that, you know, that 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m. time where there's nothing happening on the road. You know, we're here. I'm going to tell you, that time your flesh is, is telling, what are you doing up? We need to lay it down. But I'm telling you, your spirit man is like, God, speak to me. Speak to me, Lord. I'm here. I can receive from you. The time when your flesh is the most weakest, that's the time when God can speak to you clearly. See, that's the thing that I've heard during this time of my prayer and fasting. That's what I mean about, you know, you can put aside some sleep time. That's what I mean about you can rise up early. Can you imagine just getting up, you know, you're going to bed early, right? And we're going to bed or you go to bed and get up at 2 a.m. and just pray. And watch. Expecting to hear from God. And see, maybe some of y'all have that, that lifestyle already. Praise God for you. I didn't. And God's like, you need to watch. I need you on watch. Before dawn hits, I need you on watch. Why? Because that's when your flesh is weak and I can speak clearly to you. Don't get, I'll tell you, don't, don't miss what God is saying. Don't miss it. I'm telling you, I don't want to miss my visitation from the Lord. Again, God is all, God can speak to you at any time, but it's, it's, we said it before, it's your, your flesh is the one that comes from, is the filter you have that causes you to hinder you from hearing from God. It's your flesh. That's what I mean by walking in the Spirit, that you should not fulfill the lust of your flesh. The time when my flesh is the weakest, that's the time when I can hear clearly from God. And that means I need to be up at 2 a.m., 3 a.m. in the morning when my flesh is the most weakest. That's what I need to do so I can hear clearly from God. Watch and pray. They enter not into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away again the second time and prayed and saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. See, understand, what you, and we read it's like, oh, why can't they stay up? 
This was during that fourth watch. Let's see you stay up. Let's see you come up here and stay up during that time. That's why the eyes are heavy. The, the flesh is weak. And my eyes are heavy because it's that time of the morning that I, both my body's like, we need to be laying it down. But you got to discipline it. I got to stay on watch. And then he left them, verse 44, and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and said unto them, Sleep on now. Take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. He said, go ahead and sleep. Sleep. You know, you're not ready for this. You, you, you know, some things come by prayer and fasting. You haven't disciplined your flesh yet. But these same disciples, Peter, they get, they'll get to a place where they'll be on watch. They'll learn how to stay up. They'll learn how to seek God during this time when their flesh is weak. Verse 46, rise, let us go, go, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came with him with a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. They came during that watch. Why? Because they're thinking, they're coming to the time where they thought everyone was at rest. But God's like, the time when, when your flesh needs to be at rest, that's the time when I need you to be up. That's the fourth watch. Now go back to, to Matthew 14. Again, I hope you're learning something. Hope you're getting some out this time of fasting. Don't waste time. You, you see why the Lord dealt with me about my time. Don't waste time. I, I want to be awake now during the fourth watch. Now there's other passages that talks about the watch as well. There's this, here's the thing that got me too. I, I said, Lord, you've got to show me more than that. The Lord showed me the time when Sam, you remember Samuel called with Eli? Remember that when the Lord kept calling Samuel and, and then Eli, he kept calling Eli, oh, did, did you call me? And then Eli, I didn't call you, boy. Go back, to, go lay back down. Three times he called him. And finally Eli realized, oh, that's the Lord speaking. And, and, and Eli told Samuel how to respond when the Lord called him. You know, that was during the watch. That was during that time of the morning. Because if you read that passage of Scripture, it's so amazing, you see it. Samuel sits there, and, and when, the, when he finally res- understands what this is the Lord calling him, the Bible says that when the Lord called him that, that last time, he said he stood there. Now, I, I, it's amazing to see some things, right? He called him before, but that last time he said he stood. Now, that means Samuel never saw him standing. He said the Lord, he said, you go back and read that in first. It'll say that last time he stood. That means once you get to, get this, once you get to a place where God knows you're expecting to see him, he will show up. He will be right there in your midst. It took the third time for them to realize, okay, now this boy understands I'm going to be in his, I'm there. It's during that watch. The time when your flesh is weak. That's when God is speaking to us. There is significance about these watches. Put this flesh under. And again, maybe like I said, maybe for some of y'all, you got it going on like that. You, hey, maybe I'm just, just now, you know, in my, in my 50s getting to this place. You know, maybe y'all been knowing this since y'all 20s. You know, you always got up in those times in the morning. Right? But I think I'm, I'm going to start getting into this time. This is time God is speaking. When my flesh is weak. Verse 25, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. Again, I hope you understand why he went to them on the fourth watch now. He saw the winds. He went to them on the fourth watch. He had plenty of time to go to them, but he went to them on the fourth watch. And when disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit. They cried out of fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee unto the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, 
save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And then we get to verse 32. And when they were come into the ship, now all of a sudden, guess what? The wind ceased. Really? Now, the wind only boisterous at this time when Peter got out there. The wind was always there. And we talked about last time. When there's, we talked about being on the crossroads. When we come to that crossroads, it's you, Christ, and the enemy. But understand, the enemy is always there. You may not recognize the enemy, but the enemy is always there. But once you start walking out on what God has said to you, then all of a sudden you realize, oh, there is an enemy. There's opposition here. It's now it's time for you to make a decision. And that's what Jesus told him. Peter, why do you doubt? Because remember, he came out the boat to come to walk to Jesus. That had nothing to do with the wind. You know, why are you concerned about the wind when there's water right there that you're walking on? And then he said he saw the wind. We saw about how you see wind? How are you going to see it? And again, this was the fourth watch. Again, before dawn even hit. At that time of the morning, it's pitch black. How are you seeing anything? That's what I wonder. How do they see the Lord? <laughs> you think, I'm going to say all these things, you're like, God, you know, there's some, something's going on here, right? There's something caught up in your, your own mind that just calls you like, hey, you know something? This can't be happening. I know I've got to have my mind focused on God. Focus on Him. Focus on Jesus. My faith and my trust is in Him. Again, mixing what I hear with faith. That's how I can stay walking in the Spirit. Don't get distracted by the wind. Don't get distracted by the opposition. In this time of prayer and fasting, I'm sure you've probably seen opposition come your way that cause you not to come up here and pray. Don't get distracted by that. Set aside a time to pray and fast. Don't be distracted. Because this is the time where God is talking to us. Specifically about these things. So we should learn from Peter. His faith was in Jesus until he saw the opposition. But then Jesus was still there with his, his mercy and his grace and pulled him out. And the thing I brought up last time, I want you to see this too, right? I said this in verse 29. It says, and he said unto him, come. Peter walked out on come. But you know, when did the Lord help him? When he asked. Get that. Verse 30 says, But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. You better say, Lord, save me. Because if he didn't say, Lord, save me, we would have never got to verse 31. With me, Jesus. Jesus did not stretch out forth his hand until Peter said, Lord, save me. Don't miss this. Please don't. Don't let this get past you. What I mean by that, this time of prayer and fasting, you need to call out to the Lord and ask Him to save you. Save you from the bondages that you are in, the distress that you are in. You need to tell God to save you, to deliver you, to bring you out of it. God is waiting for you to call out to Him for salvation. That's how you're showing you have faith in Him. Because God, God's like, I can bring you out of that. I can deliver you from that. But you've got to call on Him. You've got to speak to Him. He's waiting for you to tell Him. Because you're like, God, you know my situation. God's like, yeah, I know it, but do you know it? Do you want me to help you in that situation? Peter said, Lord, save me. And then Jesus responded. And you wonder, you're waiting for God to respond in your life. God, like, when are you going to ask me? When are you going to invite me into that situation? See, prayer and fasting in this time, that's what I mean. God has given you the strength to address your flesh during this prayer and fasting time. But he's waiting for you to call on him about those things that need to be addressed in your flesh. Things you have been struggling with for years. God's like, now, call on me. Everything you need to bring you out of your deliverance is there for you now. But you have to call. Ask him. See, this is, that's why I mean. This time is serious times. It's serious. Don't let, don't let Thursday come and you hadn't called on the Lord yet. Because then after Thursday, God like, hey, I was there out there. Now you call on me. I'm in a whole different dispensation now. I don't move on. You're like, God, you're, not, you're wrong for that. No, God, like, no, I gave you 31 days. How am I wrong? Like, like he told them, I gave them, I, they saw my works for 40 years. 
God has given you 31 days to call on Him. You better call on Him. Even in areas that you think you got it going on. Call on the Lord for your deliverance. That's mixing faith in what I've heard. Alright, so is God grieved with us? Again, they weren't content. They being the children of Israel, they weren't content in their walk. Are you content in your walk? Again, how do we know if you're content? What's the attitude to show if we're content? And now we're going to get into some more practical things that, you know, we're going to get out of Israel and talk about us some more. That hits home with us. How do we know that we're not content in our walk with the Lord? We're going to first and foremost, we're going to talk about your church attendance. I know it's Sunday night. You're like, hey, I'm here on a Sunday night. That should count for something. But, but did you come here prepared? Did you come here prepared to receive from God? Are you even expecting to receive from God? You know, when you come to church, do you expect God to speak to you? And then when you come, did you bring an offering? Did you bring a praise? Did you bring worship to God? See, don't get caught up with just coming between the, you know, the doors here and like, oh, I came to church, God. But you didn't come prepared. You didn't come humbling yourself before the living God, expecting to hear from God. You brought no offering. You brought no worship. You brought no praise. And we ain't talking about the praise and worship. We ain't talking about the music and the sound and the singers and the musicians. Well, it's not about that. Did you bring that with you? Whether they sing one song, I got praise and glory to God. I, I can worship God. I don't need a beat to worship God. But nobody led us in praise and worship. See, that's your church attendance. You had no expectation. That means that you're not content. That's the attitude that God has grieved with. Those are the small foxes that spoil the vine. Those are areas that we need to change. Every time we come to services, we need to be expecting to hear from God. What I mean by that, that your life will be changed forever. Every time you come here. Because see, God... You may be wasteful with your time, but God is not wasteful with his time. Every time you're in the presence of God, you come here, your life should be changed forever. It should be an impact. Every time. Change should come forth. Every time. But see, you're not expecting it every time. You know, some Sundays are more special than others. By whose standard? We got less God on this Sunday than we did last Sunday. How do we get less of God? God is who He is at all times. We heard that this morning. He is the same. God is not changed. God's standard is the same at all times. So why are we going to put a filter on Him before we think is what special Sundays are? That's what I mean about you're not content. God's grieved with that. God wants to move forward with you. But he's like, you need to change your attitude by coming to church. Coming to the house, the place where we have gathered together ourselves, assembled ourselves together to worship him. You know, and, and this is the thing I, I understand that we're not content because even like I said, when we come here, where's our reverence at for God? What do you mean by reverence for God? You know, some things you just some things you just need to say, right? You know, I, I was at least I think it was two Sundays ago. When Minister Hill was up there talking, there was a lot of movement. I mean, a lot of movement. Why is a lot of movement when the teaching is going forth? It's a lot of movement. I just shake my hand like, why did you come? Now, I understand, like I said, we always say, you got medical issues, you got other issues. We're not talking about that. You know, you sit, your, you sit yourself in a place where you need to handle your business. Not talking about that at all. I'm just talking about you just getting up just to be getting up. Well, brother, it wasn't like that. Well, it seemed like it was a whole lot of that going on. It's a lack of reverence. Because, again, if you're at other venues, you're not getting up to be getting up. Your flesh is engaged and you are focused. That's what I mean by coming to church and not being prepared. Not having reverence for God. And how can we come to church and not bring an offering? To God. You know, these are things we heard several, several, several years ago. Before we even know this building even existed. 
we were going over the side of town. Several years ago, we heard these things about prepare yourself. You should always have an offering when you come to service. To God. See, this is the thing God has... See, you've seen, you saw God's work for 40 years. And you're like, well, however number of years you have. But he's grieved with that. You need to change that. You're murmuring. You're complaining. When you come to services, come prepared. That's how it shows that you're not content. So I mentioned your church attendance. Then I got into the second thing I already talked about was your giving. Again, you need to bring an offering every time. And then the offering you bring, is it pleasing towards God? Is it your best? Because we always expect the best from God. But when you come and you bring your offering, do you bring your best? Or you bring what was left over? You know, we used to say that. So we, if we lift our offering in our right hand, right? Because we're not bringing up our left hand because that's what we're talking about left over. You know, we used to say those things again. It was cute, and but you missed the point of why we said that. You don't want to have the attitude of bringing God what's left over. That's not your best. God don't want your sloppy leftovers. He wants your best. So bring it. Or are you grumbling, murmuring, whispering on your, on your mouth about giving? See, you're not content. And God is not pleased. Again, he said that before. And many of them God was not well pleased with. God is not well pleased with that. I'm telling you, your giving shows your level of commitment. You, you can sit there and say whatever you want. No, your giving shows your level of commitment to the ministry. No, not really. Your giving... Shows your level of commitment to the ministry. You know, you don't hear people complaining. People complain about one or two things when it comes to ministry. First thing is usually about money. And next thing about their child. Those are two things they're going to complain about. So whenever time somebody talk about, like we talk about pastor compensation, we, we established that and we founded that in 2018. We, we got those things established. Right? And then people started complaining about that. Murmuring about it. Well, they didn't. Well, no one said anything about it. But did you? Your complaining showed by you not supporting it. I understand that, right? You can, you can may not voice it, but your actions show that you are not with it. You can sit there and say, "Yeah, I'm with it," but you're not giving a. You haven't done nothing. That shows that you're not with us. That you're not content. You're not willing to sacrifice. You know, I remember the time, when, the first time we, we came to this place and, and uh, the first time they mentioned about the sanctuary rugs. You can see the looks on folks' face. Sanctuary rugs. You know, everybody remember, you know, I'm going to tell you, if I, I mention the amount, everybody remember the amount. How much did the sanctuary rugs cost? 10000 I know everybody remember that amount. $10,000. feel like we're on a game show, right? You just won $10,000. Like we're asking one person to give $10,000. See, it, that's what I mean. You're not content. Exactly. All you thought about, why are we spending $10,000 on some rugs? Really? This is not your house. Not at all. This is not your place? Just because you got a cheap mentality, I mean, the ministry should. Exactly. But I'm saying, that shows you're not content. I'll tell you, your level of commitment is shown by your giving. You can sit there and say whatever you want. Um, you committed to this ministry. Your level of commitment is shown by your giving. You won't even bring it off. But I'm telling you, if you needed $10,000, you're going to go to God and ask Him for that. And you expect God to deliver you com- com- I mean, right then. Again, things that show that you're not content. We talked about your church attendance, your giving. The next thing is your treatment of others in the ministry. Again, your treatment of others in the ministry. So are we holding grudges towards one another? Grudges. Right? Or, or can we, you know, are we bitter, hostile towards one another? Can we show compassion towards everybody in the ministry? Regardless if we think they're our buddies or not. You know, we have all have our you know, running buddies we may have or, that we have in ministry. But I'm talking about those folks that you may not even speak to. 
can you still show compassion to them? Can you still show love towards them? Because love covers a multitude of sins. But are we envious? Are we jealous? See, that shows you're not content. These are things that God is grieved with with us. It's how we treat one another. Naturally, you can see it. You know, there's a a well-known passage of Scripture that talks about who is thy neighbor. When it talks about the Samaritan, it talks about a certain priest. It talks about a Levite and how it came to pass that this man had fallen on hard times where he actually got beaten up by thieves and was left for dead. And then these three individuals passed by the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan. And only the Samaritan stopped to help this man. To say the rest of the individuals, they walked right past him. Saw in need. Walked past. And, and the reason why this passage of Scripture was talking about because there was a certain Pharisee that came to Jesus asking him about this. About who is my neighbor. He, he asked Jesus about the law, the commandments. I love God with all. Right? And then he said, well, who is my neighbor? You know, love thy neighbor as thyself. That was part of that commandment. The greatest commandments, love thy neighbor as thyself. And he had a nerve to ask Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? And that's what he went on. He unloaded on him. And I think for a lot of us, we need to be unloaded on about who is your neighbor. Is your neighbor here in the ministry? Do we despise one another? Do you despise the brother? Do you show partiality? Do you show prejudice? Can you help anybody out in this ministry, regardless of what family they're from, regardless of what nationality they are? Can you help anybody out in this ministry? And here's the thing. Can you help them out even when they don't ask? What I mean by that, if God puts in your heart to help them, can you do it? It's not all about a need. You know, again, we talk about the, the Samaritan. There was a need that was there. But God can show you what they need. And once God shows, can you do it? I help out this brother, but that brother, no. You have prejudice. You have partiality. You're not content. See, these are the things during this prayer and fast God's shown revealing to you. If you have the same care and compassion towards everyone in this ministry, then something's wrong with your attitude. Something's wrong with your heart. Something's wrong with your love walk. You're not walking in the Spirit. Remember, the fruit of the Spirit is love. You're not walking in the Spirit if you've got partiality to folks in this ministry. You should be able to show compassion and mercy towards anyone in this ministry. Don't hold no grudges. And then when you help someone, you're doing it, you're not expecting anything in return. You're not helping someone to get anything back from them. Again, that's going back to tempting Christ, right? We're not doing it so just people can look at you or, or you anyway, you didn't do it, not even get any accolades. You're not asking you're not doing it so people can talk about how great a person you are. Who cares? You're not doing it for any of that. Matter of fact, you shouldn't even say anything. I mean, that, you can go back and look at this passage of Scripture in, in Luke chapter 10. It talks about that incident about the Samaritan. What this man actually did. How he took care of this man. Put him up in the inn. And then gave the innkeeper money and said, hey, if, if the, if, when he comes to, when he's back to himself, if it, anything else he needs, make sure he has it. And, I'll, and I'll, if I don't give you enough money now, when I come back again, I'll pay you for it. Just make sure this man is taken care of. That's restoring. He made sure that he was being restored. Can we restore one another? Do we have a heart to restore one another? Who's the neighbor at in your church? Is the only one you sit next to that's your neighbor? What about the one on the other side of the building? Is that your neighbor? See, these are areas that show that we're not content. These are things that God is dealing with us about during this prayer and fasting time. Deal with those things. Address those issues. And ask yourself, which one, God's going to show you which one you are, whether you're the Samaritan, the Levite, or the priest. And there's a reason why they use those three characters, right? But God's going to show you which one you are. And if you're not the Samaritan, no matter whichever one you was, because the other ones show that they didn't have compassion for this individual. I don't want to be the one that doesn't have compassion. I, want, I don't want to be the one that can't show mercy towards my fellow brother. 
regardless of the situation. Regardless if they even brought it on themselves. Well, brother, that was a self-inflicted wound, brother. You have to live with that. Can we help them? Can you help someone that brought that on behind his own? Can you help them? I know it gets quiet. I understand. So we're holding back. Because I'm going to tell you like this. You think about how good God has been to you. Again, going back to Israel. You saw all their works for 40 years. There's time when you had some self-inflicted wounds, but God still helped you. God still brought you out when you didn't deserve it at all. You know you walk right into that bondage and God still deliver you. And now it's time for you to show that compassion and mercy and you holding back. Well, they need to learn something. Learn what? What did you learn? See, our treatment we have towards one another. We need to examine that. Search that out. See, our hearts should be to win our brother. To restore them. To repair them. And God is good. And then your treatment you have towards your church leadership. Do you murmur and complain about the church leadership here? Do you tell others about your discontentment with the leadership? What words do you say about the leadership here? What, what, are, what are you voice? Again, what I mean by voice is more than just your verbal. It's your, your commitment as well. Have you, have you taken your hands off of things in the ministry since the transition has happened? Have you backed off? And again, you know how we are, right? You're saying we are. You can still show face, but you have the same level of commitment. You understand what I mean? You don't have the same level of commitment. The, the time you used to spend before, you don't spend that same time now. Even though you're doing the same activity. Because you're displeased with the leadership. You know, it's like, like I just use myself, for example. It's time for you to come and prepare to minister. So now since the transition happens, so now we move from our founding pastor to now to Pastor Hill in, in this position of, of office of pastor. So now all of a sudden I don't spend as much time as I used to. Because, you know, i got an issue with Pastor Hill. Oh, don't miss this. We need to address all that, right? So now i got an issue with, so now I'm just, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of coasting now. And I'm, I'm showing my displeasures by my lack of full commitment. I'll say it like that for you. Even though there's no such thing if you committed or not. But, but that's your attitude. You know, before, you know, if it was our founding pastor, then I would have signed up to do that. Or I would have went and approached him to do that. But now, uh, that's okay. I'm just going to do the bare minimum. Don't ask me to do no more. Hey, don't get quiet now. Because, you know, we all say we, you know, we loved our founding pastor. You know, it, here's the thing. You know, some of us have been here when our founding pastor was still with us. We've seen your walk. We saw how your love was. It's easy to say that now he's gone, you know, being refreshed, but it's easy to talk now. But some of us know, was here, we need to move forward. The same level of commitment you need to have towards God has, should not change because the transition has happened. And it's the same thing when the next transition happens. Moves on to, to Brother Isaac. The same level, your commitment to God does not change. That shows you you're not content. That's why I said, we're going to appreciate our, our pastor now. The pastor we have now, Pastor Alva Hill, we're going to appreciate her now. That's where we're at. We're not going to sit here and, and make comments of discontentment about where this ministry is. Because it's because of the faithfulness of God that we even have a pastor. You, you, you know, you keep, make sure you come this month, you'll hear some things. It's the faithfulness of God that we still have a pastor. God is showing himself faithful to us. So watch what you say about the leadership. Watch your comments you say about our, our pastor. 
Because there are people in this ministry, we love our pastor. And and same way we didn't tolerate that stuff you said about our founding pastor, we're not going to tolerate that mess you say about our, our current pastor. Right, you know, since I'm on there, I might as well just step on in again, right? You know, it's because here's the thing we say, right? Well, well, well she's just interim pastor. What does the word interim mean? Temporal? Am I wrong? Does interim mean temporal? This is interim. It's just a, a, a stopgap until somebody else comes. Don't you understand? All the pastors are a stopgap until somebody else comes. Don't miss this. What is interim? You know, because again, if you think about, because well, now you think, oh, this temporary, then I don't have to show level of respect. Why go in here? Just, just. Well, some might think because somebody's temporary, I don't have to show this person that respect that I would, you know, in our minds, the, the official pastor. What makes the, the pastor official? So we need to watch how we view these things about our leadership, about our pastor, using terminology. And I understand, I, terminology is giving you to bring clarity, but we take terminology and put a title on it. It's used to give you clarity about the situation you are in. Interim is to show you the clarity about where we are at. It's just to clarify the situation. But we take it now, all of a sudden we have an attitude that that person should not have the same respect as, as someone else that's official in our minds. Sister Hill is our pastor. That's, that's, it's it. And we thank God for that. And we're going to appreciate that. You know, we should appreciate our pastor at all times. We've learned that too, but we're going to appreciate that, especially coming up. See, you better watch when you think you know something, when you don't know something. Careful what you think you know. Again, I'm just saying about this prayer, these last five days of the fast, seek God about these things. Seek God about your pastor. Seek God about your terminology in the room. Ask God what that means. So now God is telling us we should, since that person, again, I don't know why we're going to these places. God's saying, because that person in them, you don't have the same level of commitment. You don't have to support them. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. We just need to wait for Brother Isaac to become pastor. Is that what God's saying to you? God's putting this ministry on hold waiting on Brother Isaac Hill. Are you kidding me? That's how God's operating. He's grieved with this generation. He's grieved with the attitudes that we have. She, should, she deserves the same respect as pastors, our founding pastors. Did. Same respect. No less we should have. We shouldn't even go there with this stuff. Stop playing with it. God's requiring that from us. I'm going to end this. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.